Alawapa friends, welcome to Scattering Angels. It is the 16th day of power of the year 175 of the body calendar, November 19th, 2018. Please pardon my voice. Um, I've had a cold. So <laughs> this will be a sort of a challenge to see if I can get through this reading without coughing or sneezing. Um, anyway, I'm going to read today from Baha'i World Faith, writings of Ad Baha pages 220 through 224. The title is The Blessed Perfection, Baha'u'llah. The Blessed Perfection, Baha'u'llah, belonged to the royal family of Iran. From earliest childhood, he was distinguished among his relatives and friends. They said, this child has extraordinary power in wisdom, intelligence, and as a source of new knowledge, he has advanced beyond his age and superior to his surroundings. All who knew him were astonished at his precipicity. It was usual for them to say, such a child will not live, for it is commonly believed that precocious children do not reach maturity. During the period of youth, the blessed perfection did not enter school. He was not willing to be taught. This fact is well established among the Iranians of Tehran. Nevertheless, he was capable of solving the difficult problems all of, who, all of who came to him. In whatever meeting, scientific assembly, or theological discussion he was found, he became the authority of explanation upon intricate and abstruse questions presented. Until his father passed away, Baha'u'llah did not seek position or political station, notwithstanding his connection with the government. This occasion surprised and comment. It was frequently said, How is it that a young man of such keen intelligence and subtle perception does not seek lucrative appointments? As a matter of fact, every position is open to him. This is a historical statement fully attested by the people of Iran. He was most generous, giving abundantly to the poor. None who came to him were turned away. The doors of his house were open to all. He always had many guests. This unbounded generosity was conducive to greater astonishment from the fact that he sought neither position nor prominence. In commenting upon his friends, said he would become impoverished, for his expenses were many and his wealth becoming more and more limited. Why is he not thinking of his own affairs, they inquired of each other. But some who were wise declared, This personage is connected with another world. He has something sublime within him that is not evident now. The day is coming when it will be manifested. In truth, the blessed perfection was a refuge for every weak one, a shelter for every fearing one, kind to every indigent one, lenient and loving to all creatures. He became well known in regard to these qualities before His Holiness the Bab appeared. Then Baha'u'llah declared the Bab's mission to be true and promulgated his teachings. The Bab announced that the greater manifestation would take place after him and called the promised one, him whom God would manifest, saying that nine years later the reality of his own mission would become apparent. In his writings, he stated that in the ninth year this expected one would be known. 
In the ninth year they would attain to all glory and felicity. In the ninth year they would advance rapidly. Between Baha'u'llah and the Bab there was communication privately. The Bab wrote a letter containing 360 derivatives of the root Baha. The Bab was martyred in Tabriz and Baha'u'llah exiled into Iraq Arabi in 1852, announced himself in Baghdad. For the Iranian government had decided that as long as he remained in Iran, the peace of the country would be disturbed. Therefore he was exiled in the expectation that Iran would become quiet. His banishment, however, produced the opposite effect. New tumult rose, and the mention of his greatness and influence spread everywhere throughout the country. The proclamation of his manifestation and mission was made in Baghdad. He called his friends together there and spoke to them of God. Afterward, he left the city and went alone into the mountains of Kurdistan, where he made his abode in caves and grottoes. A part of this time he lived in the city of Suleimaniye, Two years passed during which neither his friends nor family knew just where he was. Although solitary, secluded, and unknown in his retirement, the report spread throughout Kurdistan that this was a most remarkable and learned personage, gifted with a wonderful power of attraction. In a short time, Kurdistan was magnetized with his love. During this period, Baha'u'llah lived in poverty. His garments were those of the poor and needy. His food was that of the indigent and lowly. An atmosphere of majesty haloed him as the sun at midday. Everywhere he was greatly revered and beloved. After two years he returned to Baghdad. Friends he had known in Suleimanie came to visit him. They found him in his accustomed environment of ease and affluence and were astonished at the appointments of one who had lived in seclusion under such frugal conditions in Kurdistan. The Iranian government believed the banishment of the blessed perfection from Iran would be the extermination of his cause in that country. These rulers now realized that it spread more rapidly. His prestige increased. His teachings became more widely circulated. The chiefs of Iran then used their influence to have Baha'u'llah exiled from Baghdad. He was summoned to Constantinople by the Turkish authorities. While in Constantinople, he ignored every restriction, especially the hostility of ministers of state and clergy. The official representatives of Iran again brought their influence to bear upon the Turkish authorities and succeeded in having Baha'u'llah banished from Constantinople to Adrianople, the object being to keep him as far away as possible from Iran and render his communication with that country more difficult. Nevertheless, the cause still spread and strengthened. Finally, they consulted together and said, We have banished Baha'u'llah from place to place, but every time he is exiled, his cause is more widely extended. His proclamation increases in power and day by day his lamp is becoming brighter. This is due to the fact that we have exiled him to large cities and populous centers. Therefore, we will send him to a penal colony as a prisoner, 
so that all may know he is associate of murderers, robbers, and criminals. In a short time, he and his followers will perish. The Sultan of Turkey then banished him to the prison of Akka in Syria. When Baha'u'llah arrived at Akka through the power of God, he was able to hoist his banner. His light at first had been a star. Now it became a mighty sun, and the illumination of his cause expanded from the east to the west. Inside prison walls, he wrote epistles to all the kings and rulers of nations, summoning them to arbitration and universal peace. Some of the kings received his words with disdain and contempt. One of these was the Sultan of the Ottoman Kingdom. Napoleon III of France did not reply. A second epistle was addressed to him. It stated, <coughs> excuse me, I have written you an epistle before this, summoning you to the cause of God, but you are of the heedless. You have proclaimed that you were the defender of the oppressed. Now it hath become evident that you are not, nor are you kind to your suffering and oppressed people. Your actions are contrary to your own interests, and your kingly pride must fall. Because of your arrogance, God shortly will destroy your sovereignty. France will flee away from you, and you will be over overwhelmed by a great conquest. There will be lamentation and mourning, women bemoaning the loss of their sons. This arraignment of, of Napoleon III was published and spread. Read it and consider. One prisoner, single and solitary, without assistant or defender, a foreign, foreigner and stranger imprisoned in the fortress of Akka, writing such letters to the Emperor of France and Sultan of Turkey. Reflect upon this how Baha'u'llah appraised the standard of his cause in prison. Refer to history. It is without parallel. No such thing has happened before this time nor since. A prisoner and an exile advancing his cause and spreading his teachings broadcast so that eventually he became powerful enough to conquer the very king who banished him. His cause spread more and more. The Blessed Perfection was a prisoner twenty-five years. During all this time, he was subjected to the indignities and revilement of the people. He was persecuted, mocked, and put in chains. In Iran, his properties were pillaged and his possessions confiscated. First banishment from Iran to Baghdad, then to Constantinople, then Adrianople. Finally, from Rumelia to the prison fortress of Akka. During his lifetime, he was intensely active. His energy was unlimited. Scarcely one night was passed in restful sleep. He bore these ordeals, suffered these calamities and difficulties, in order that a manifestation of selflessness and service might become apparent in the world of humanity, that the most great peace would become a reality, that human souls might appear as the angels of heaven, that heavenly miracles would be wrought among men, that human faith should be strengthened and perfected, that the precious, priceless bestowal of God, the human mind, might be developed to its fullest capacity in the temple of the body, and man become the reflection and likeness of God, even as it hath been revealed in the Bible. We shall create man in our own image. 
Briefly, the blessed perfection bore all these ordeals and calamities in order that our hearts might have become enkindled and radiant, our spirits be glorified, our faults become virtues, our ignorance transformed into knowledge, in order that we might attain the real fruits of humanity and acquire heavenly grace. Although pilgrims upon earth, we shall travel the road of the heavenly kingdom. Although needy and poor, we might receive the treasures of life eternal. For this has he borne these difficulties and sorrows. Trust all to God. The lights of God are resplendent. The blessed epistles are spreading. The blessed teachings are promulgated throughout the east and west. Soon you will see that the heavenly words have established the oneness of the world of humanity. The banner of the most great peace has been unfurled and the great community is appearing. We're going to continue our reading of the hidden words of Baha'u'llah today with the 29th and 30th hidden word from the Arabic. O son of being, ascribe not to any soul that which thou wouldst not have ascribed to thee, and say not that which thou doest not. This is my command unto thee, do thou observe it. O son of man, deny not my servant should he ask anything from thee, for his face is my face. Be then abashed before me. We'll close today's episode with a reading from the Baha'i Prayer Book by Baha'u'llah on page 136 under Praise and Gratitude. Magnified be thy name, O Lord my God. Thou art he whom all things worship, and who worshipeth no one, who is the Lord of all things, and is the vassal of none, who knoweth all things, and is known of none. Thou didst wish to make thyself known unto men. Therefore thou didst, through a word of thy mouth, bring creation into being, and fashion the universe. There is none other God except thee, the fashioner, the creator, the almighty, the most powerful. I implore thee by this very word that has shone forth above the horizon of thy will to enable me to drink deep of the living waters through which thou hast vivified the hearts of thy chosen ones and quickened the souls of them that love thee, that I may at all times and under all conditions turn my face wholly towards thee. Thou art the God of power, of glory and bounty. No God is there beside thee, the supreme ruler, the all-glorious the omniscient Baha'u'llah. Thank you again for joining me at Scattering Angels, and um, I'll try to do another episode later on this week, perhaps two. Have a great day.